Welcome to Special One Cards Podcast, a weekly podcast on the soccer market, soccer cards. We talk about prospects, we talk about products, and we look at some data to help you make some buying decisions for the future. Hosted by me, Paulo, on a weekly basis. Look for special guests occasionally. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, at Special One Cards. Looking forward to interacting with all of you. Welcome, uh, episode 28. Guys, I'm sorry these things aren't releasing on the certain day I'd like them to. Unfortunately, uh, babies keep you quite busy. Between that, work, a dog, uh, and many other things, obviously, in life, uh, you get busy and tied up with things. But we're back here for another episode. If you are not following me yet on Instagram, make sure you do, at Special One Cards. Also, look for a post over the weekend on the giveaway of the Pepe Rookie sticker um, that I have in my vault uh, that I will be giving. I have two of them, so I'll be giving one away to somebody. I'm going to put those contest details up. They will involve listening to this podcast um, and a few different rules. I'm going to be putting up a, uh, I'm going to be using a code word. to use to be to qualify for the giveaway uh, for the card. So listen for that code word later in this episode. Uh, you'll have to put that in your post on Instagram, um, and then you'll have to share this podcast out. So you know, once I get enough entries, I would say probably give it a week or so. I can go back and look at them, randomize them, maybe put them on a spin wheel, do it live and give somebody that uh, prize of a Pepe uh, rookie sticker, uh, PSA 8, so it is slabbed. Uh, It'll be a nice kind of giveaway to do, uh, kind of a thank you to the folks that are listening to the podcast. You know, Instagram users, some of you I know, uh, and you may not even be listening for all that matters, but may not even listen to the podcast. Maybe you jumped on now and they're starting to listen to them uh, to get, the information for the giveaway. So I hope that you guys will enjoy um, the giveaway, the rules, the contest, etc., and uh, really kind of engage with me, engage with the podcast, engage with other listeners to discuss the hobby. Uh, we continue to kind of, I'm trying to continue to expand the hobby. One of the things I am doing coming up later uh, next week, I do have a break that is available. It's on my Instagram profile. You'll see it. It's a box of, um, excuse me, it's a box of 2021 Topps Chrome Hobby Box, which includes Pedri, Jude Autos, um, Rookies, uh, Adiemi Rookies, um, second year kind of Holland uh, Chrome cards. We'll do a box of that, a box of last year's Chrome 21-22. We'll do a box of Topps Finest 21-22 and one box of Topps museum collection so if you want to get in that break hit me up on instagram it is on there just comment on the post i will dm you a form to fill out which will have payment instructions again you do need to make payment when you reserve a spot thus far i think we have about eight spots sold i'm trying to sell 35 spots uh, for that break Um, i'm also going to be adding a jersey to the break a soccer jersey not autographed or anything but it is a 
uh, legit soccer jersey as a giveaway. Um, and I may add something else that might be a little surprise for folks. So check it out. It's $35 uh, for U.S. Uh, for a spot for U.S. shipping. Uh, Canada, I have to add an extra $5 for shipping. And then international, um, add I guess $12 to shipping uh, on top of the 35. So if you're interested, hit me up um, on Instagram, you know, send me a DM if you like, or you can even comment on the post and I can reach back out uh, and it'll be fun. It's a fun break. There's really not much margin here. Um, just so you know, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can be. There's not much money being made here between the supplies, the, uh, mailing, uh, etc. So there's not much there. I'm hoping to break even, maybe make a little bit to kind of funnel back in to see if we can use that towards any other breaks, but you know, doubtful when it's that kind of money. So if you are interested, hit me up. Uh, I think there's 28 remaining actually 28 spots. Um, and we're hoping to do that next week. I am going to be very patient on it. Uh, as I was with my Merlin case where that took a little over two weeks to fill a while back. I think that's the last break I did. I don't do them often. So, uh, hoping that uh, some of you will partake and enjoy and have a good time. I really don't want to go to whatnot with um, the rest of the spots, but if we have to, we have to, unfortunately. So um, so welcome again, episode 27. Is this 27 or is it 28? 27, I think. This is the not number one soccer podcast in the world, but it, it is it is the best soccer podcast in the world shout out to the fellows over uh in ireland uh soccer cards united they have the number one podcast but i have the best podcast soccer card podcast um but anyhow so you know last week some of you may have seen i posted on my instagram kind of a discussion point um on manchester city and early holland specifically and what he's accomplished this year, he's been incredible individually uh, as a player, scored a lot of goals, breaking records left and right. Um, in the Champions League, he's been excellent too as well. But now comes the discussion as to, is Manchester City really much that much better this year with uh, Holland as a new face there? Um, and, and, you know, in some cases, I went back and I started kind of looking at uh, total points for last year for City. Um, I believe last year they finished with 92 or 93 points, something like that. And this year, if they do win out uh, the rest of the games in the Premier League, and I'm only talking about Premier League, then um, they'll be one point better than last year. So my question was, is Manchester City that much of a better team with Erling Holland uh, in the lineup? So if they win all their games, they finish one point better. So they are better. Are they significantly better? That's arbitrary and up for discussion obviously one point better would not to me signify um a huge improvement uh however if they do end up winning the premier league if they do end up winning the champions league then it is significantly better and he has made them significantly better so again i kind of put that question out there as a uh something to think about when you're looking at how teams and players evolve at new teams and the impact they have on teams so it's not meant to be, uh, I'm not a Holland hater. I have some Holland stuff too. Um, contrary to popular belief, I get a lot of, I got a lot of DMs last week, uh, people telling me that, well, you're just a Holland hater or you um, want to detract from Holland's accomplishments. That's not true. Um, 
I am just for the sake of debate, trying to get an understanding of, you know, people's thoughts on that. When you look at it from a data perspective of the impact the player has on a team, if a player has only a one point impact on a team, then, you know, I look at it and kind of like, well, I don't know if they're that much better. Um, are they a better team in my eyes when I watch them? Of course they are. Uh, but again, does that mean that they needed Holland to get to that point? I'm not so sure. So we'll see if they win the champions league, if they go and, you know, eliminate Real Madrid, we can at that point uh, realize that they they are significantly better with Holland than they were before. So that's just something to think about in the weeks to come. One of the topics I wanted to talk to you about this week uh, is regarding uh, perceived hobby value versus uh, players' values to their teams or their competitions or their organizations. So what I mean by that, if you look at players – um, that, uh, um, I just lost my train of thought. Give me a second. All right. Now that I gathered my thoughts here, what I wanted to say before, sorry about that. Hobby value versus perceived hobby value versus value on the field. And we see this quite a bit, you know, when we talk about midfielders and attackers, right? Uh, that's one of the things that we kind of look at, uh, in terms of, um, valuing players in the hobby versus their on-field on field performance, etc. When you look at a player like, for example, like a Kevin De Bruyne, right, uh, leads the Premier League in assists, 16 assists. He's been excellent, just a super player, as always. Probably the best midfielder in the world or one of the best in the world at the moment. And you look at his hobby value, he doesn't command the values that some of the other guys commands, most, most notably attackers. So... Sometimes on-field performance does not dictate the hobby value. So you have to understand that uh, when you are, if you're purchasing to invest, that's what you have to really consider. You have to consider the aspect that a player's value on the field and what they do uh, might not actually translate over to what their hobby, perceived hobby value. We could say the same thing about Benjamin Sesco, right? The perceived hobby value is higher. His pricing has already baked in the fact that he's going to go to a bigger team and that we think or some think he's going to score a lot of goals. Um, Willie, I don't know. I wish I was clairvoyant. I could tell he's going to score as many as Holland has, but I can't do that. Uh, so that speculation here drives up the price, but his performance on the field does not dictate that price in my eyes. It's kind of last year, like I was doing the Fabio Vieta, Kareem Adeyemi, um, comparison and both don't get me wrong this year have been disappointing um, one more than the other in terms of uh, Adiyami I think he's been very disappointing this year but you last year looked at those at those players and you might say or an Anthony or somebody like that their hobby value is extremely high uh, based on what their on the field performance was so think about those things when you're buying if you're buying to invest if you're buying just to collect that shouldn't impact what you do Generally, when you're buying to collect, then you're buying players based on what you see happens on the field and what they do in terms of uh, their performances and how it relates to your collection and what you like about the player. Prime example for me would be Jota at Celtic. I collect Jota. He's a Benfica product. I like him a lot. He's electric. He's fun to watch. But the hobby has not really kind of embraced him as a hobby darling. Uh, and they may never do that for all I care. Uh, but for me, I collect them because I like Jota. Again, Benfica product player that I do like uh, to watch. 
Rafael Leon could be another one. Uh, if you think about in terms of, and I've said this countless times, a player that's performing on the field uh, really well, but I think his perceived hobby value is lower than it should be. Um, so the word undervalued is often used. I've used it many times, but I try to, I'm going to try to detract and stay away from that word as much as I can, even though it might come out at times. When you look at Leon's performances on the field, there's some of the best performances we see in the world, but he does not get the, let's say, pageantry or the um, credit that he should. At this point in time, he's probably a top three, four player in the world uh, if we really look at what he means to the team on the team. Now, there's a few things that are probably detracting from that. One, he plays in Serie A, right? And the the kind of feeling on Serie A is that it's a weaker league or it's not up to par with the other leagues. You know, I'm a kind of a detractor on that. I think the Serie A league is a, is a really strong uh, league, especially for offensive players uh, to develop. They're facing some of the world's best defensive teams. They're facing some of the world's best defensive players. They're facing some of the world's best defensive midfielders in the world, etc. It's a place where they can not only learn the technical skills, but they can also learn how to really kind of uh, be challenged to improve their offensive game. A good example of that is Bruno Fernandes, who uh, was in Portugal at a young age, went to Italy uh, as a next step to learn further the power and the, let's say, um, increasing his IQ or his intelligence on a field where uh, you have a strong uh, league in terms of defensive uh, makeshifts that teams have. So a player like that, he goes to Italy, does really well there, goes back to Portugal, performs at a high level. Manchester United comes calling. He goes off to the Premier League and is successful there. So in terms of a player like that, Bruno Fernandes or Rafael Leão, they're kind of – Bruno Fernandes more so he's taken that next step, right? He went – you know, technically learned a lot in Portugal, went to Italy, enhanced the technical ability, but also learned how to beat the best defenses in the world. Then moves back to Portugal to fine tune, maybe goes back to England, goes to England, excuse me, and uh, is challenged a little more because the competition's better, but he's prepared already. So Leon was a guy that I look at in terms of, you know, perceived on-field value versus hobby value and what he means to his team. I would argue that Leon, without Rafael Leon, Milan is probably, you know, uh, uh, potentially a mid uh, team table, uh, mid team uh, on the on the Serie A table. Potentially, I don't know. We don't know. What ifs are really hard to kind of predict. But he's a guy. Is a fine example of performance on field exceeds expectations, and his card values don't align with that. So he's a guy that I really kind of look at and think about in terms of uh, why he's important. He's got a teammate there, too, the same same thing, Sandro Tonali, even at Inter, Nicolo Barella. So there are all these players in Serie A where we're looking at, and I think there's so much focus on the Premier League that people forget that some of these players exist that are performing at these levels where they may be considered one of the best players in those positions in the world, but their hobby perceived value is just not there. So... As a collector, that wouldn't bother me, and it doesn't bother collectors. But as a potential investor in a player, that's what you have to be careful of. You have to try to identify those areas and those players where there is an opportunity where that can kind of come into play. Um, Victor Osamine is not that person. He's already kind of his hobby perceived value 
is already starting to exceed his kind of on-field value and the way he performs, if that makes sense. Now, if he goes to the Premier League and does really well there too, then we may see more of an increase even further. Um, but, you know, you talk about some of these other players in these other leagues, uh, you know, uh, in Spain, Gavi, Pedri, fine examples, fine players. But to me, their hobby value is exorbitantly higher than their on-the-field performances. Uh, and Pedri just come back from injury, so you'll have to apologize to me, Pedri, because I know you're listening to this. But players like that, you have to understand, and even Fabio Vieta, I'll throw him in the mix. His pricing is a little expensive, too, right now, given what he's done on the field. He hasn't done a whole lot. His statistics aren't bad, but more was expected. So start to think about those things. Those things are really important. Um, and I'd like to give you even more examples. If you want more examples, we can definitely talk about it and discuss how we can kind of uh, come to a conclusion and find players that their hobby value does not, maybe I'll do a post on that. The hobby value does not uh, necessarily mean that their value of on-field performance or at their organization or the team equals each other. So think about those things. One of the important things I wanted to also talk about on this episode was in terms of rookie cards and how the soccer market is viewing rookie cards. Now, I've said this many times before, and I continue to say it, the soccer market is a very, let's call it a baby or in its infancy stage, right? You look at other sports and you look at uh, baseball, for example, I'll give you kind of a quick example on baseball. You have rookies in flagship uh, this year, like Adley Rush, uh, Rushman of the Orioles. His uh, tops flagship card, which is a base card, um, but PSA 10s are generally selling for, I think, 40 to $60, okay? We don't see that in the soccer market, and I'm not sure why. Uh, our obviously market conditions now are dictating kind of a uh, a pullback where people aren't spending as much and people don't value certain things as much. But I've always said that base cards are important. If you follow the trajectory of what other sports have become and what they are, you look at uh, tops, for example, the example I just gave you, Adley Rushman, PSA 10, and it could be because it's a newer card, obviously, this year. But those are selling for anywhere from, you know, $40 to $60, like I said. If you take a Gavi base and grade it at PSA 10, I don't think that value is there. Uh, and it could be kind of the knowledge aspect in our in our market. So where I'm going with this is there are so many cards of rookies that come out in various products. Right now, we've seen first edition, we've seen flagship, we've seen Donruss. So you have, you know, a good example would be Enzo. You have Enzo in... All the products, uh, first edition, he's in a Benfica kit, uh, flagship as well. Donruss, he is in uh, Argentina kit and a Benfica kit. So you have those those three products out right now. Uh, people will probably speculate and say that, well, I'd rather have the Optic Hollow as kind of my lower end card or just an Optic rated rookie of Enzo as the best card there is. Um, but now you have to kind of go back and see, okay, when did Enzo's card uh, first come out, uh, and that's going to be the answer to that question is going to be Topps and Echo. Uh, so one of the things that I've continuously tried to think about is the impact of cards and what's first. Uh, in other sports, we've seen that before, where cards are commanding a higher value based on their release time or when they came out. So in Enzo's case, 
generally it's probably going to be his top stecko that should be considered his true rookie. And it's not because I own some of them. I've given some away. I gave, um, you know, I sent one to Canada. All I asked was for them to pay for shipping. I sent another one to somebody else. I sent one a slab, the one that they had paid for that, they, that was lost in the mail for nothing um, as a replacement. So for me, it's something to start to think about. Uh, and Top Stecco is interesting because kind of a low print run set. Um, first edition's low print run too. Uh, flagship and Donruss are obviously high print. So if you're looking for stuff that's numbered, that's where you're going to find it. But Deco is an interesting play there for me. Uh, I think you need to start identifying players. And I've said this, I think, many times before, where they only have one kind of rookie card issued. Um, a perfect example, again, I hate to bark on them, but uh, Raffaello is an example. Dusan Vlahovic is an example. Guys that were on teams that weren't in European competitions or issued in European uh, competition sets such as Topps Chrome, Topps UEFA, whatever the case may be. So you have to start to identify players, and Merlin kind of presents an opportunity the sets in there because you have certain players like Gonzalo Ramos has only got one rookie card in that set, um, and he's not in any other sets. Uh, Fabio Vieta is another one, but he's in Stadium Club uh, Chrome as well. Uh, so start to look at um, Ander from Real Sociedad is in that set. Uh, in Merlin. I don't think he's got anything else either. So identifying players that only have one kind of uh, manufactured issued rookie card is really important and powerful. And this is why I've always valued Chronicles and why maybe buying some singles from Select La Liga might be really important because you have teams in there that are not participating in European competitions. So they won't have a Topps Chrome UEFA set card. They won't have a Merlin card. So start to think about those things. As we kind of advance and evolve in the hobby, you have to start to look at those things. Ryan Cherokee is another one, right? Uh, he's got a card in Merlin. Uh, some people will debate with me and saying that his tops now was his first card. But we also have to understand, uh, and Enzo the same situation. He was in that kind of total football top set. Um, when I'm talking about rookie cards, I'm talking about pack-issued pack cards, cards that you can pull out of the packs, not cards that are, uh, let's say, printed on demand. Not cards that are printed based on a gameplay. I'm talking about pack-issued cards. And I think the hobby in other sports recognizes those as rookie cards. So I think as a soccer collector and having also collected hockey and many of the other sports, now I kind of just focus on hockey and soccer. I think it comes a point where we have to look at soccer as collectors and we have to say, okay, what happens in the other sports and how do they recognize rookies and rookie cards so you know in basketball the michael jordan flair uh card is truly recognized as his rookie card even though it's two years after his league debut there was a star rookie card that came out at the time but those weren't really pack issued they were team set issued same thing goes with stickers in soccer uh if a player doesn't have a card then obviously the sticker is his rookie or even and if a player has a card, then you're probably thinking about a sticker being kind of an XRC. But I've continuously said it that both markets are very different. Stickers are one side in our market and
sorry, my computer died. So <clears throat> that was probably on silence, but so start to think about those things. Uh, look for players that don't have, uh, and this is kind of the talk for investors. If you're a collector, you can kind of ignore this because this is not going to really pertain to you. Most of us fall in both categories, right? We're both collectors and we are uh, essentially uh, investors as well. So sometimes a person like me, I use certain cards to fund my PC collection uh, to help cover those costs. So, you know, steps to these things are kind of, you know, locating players, obviously, that are um, going to be relevant for a while. And when we look at players, you have to remember in soccer that players only hit their prime between the ages of 26 and like 29, um, and sometimes 25 to 28. That's where their prime is. So many of you, when you talk about the kind of flipping aspect of uh, the soccer culture, uh, it happens in other sports too as well. But uh, again, I, I continue to talk about this every week in terms of patience. Players reach their pinnacle kind of at that level. You know, you have outliers such as like Mbappe and Holland that are doing this at a young age uh, that, you know, uh, Messi and Ronaldo weren't doing kind of at, at those ages. So, you know, think about those things and why that's important uh, and why patience plays a huge uh, part of what you do and how you plan ahead. Um, you know, I myself, I grade a lot of the players that I believe in, uh, even young guys that eventually pop through. Even if they're 21, 22, 23, they're still young to me because I'm looking at the window of a player's really prime is hit between 26 and 29 years old. So if you have a pop one card and some guy pops off at that point, then you're there. Uh, and the example I give you is kind of Victor Osamine. I was grading his stuff two summers ago, uh, or his stickers, foot, uh, his Panini foot stickers. Um, and I had, I think I had four or five tens of seven stickers uh and i owned them all the whole population of the world on those so and i sold them a bit early so some people might say well you sold it so early um i sold them early uh you know a few a few reasons i kept one uh psa 10 for myself because uh, i knew with his cards being released or cards being released at the time that the market would would basically go to his cards instead so also mine's a prime example he's got rookies in uh, Merlin uh, that year, and he's got some Chronicles rookies. Uh, not a rookie ticket, but I think it's a Chronicles kind of branded card. Um, but uh, so, you know, start to think about those things. One, look for players that you believe in. Uh, number, you know, that might be younger, right? Uh, you know, you're talking maybe players between 19 and let's say 23. Um, start to think about players that you really kind of like watching and that have passed your eye test and you believe that there is some opportunity. Number two, take those players and look at checklists. See what sets they're in. See if they're in a bunch of product. You know, Jude, Pedri, Gabi, those guys, they're all in so many different products. They have so many different rookies. Start to think about, okay, this player's got too many rookies. I'm not sure I really, unless you're a collector. Again, if you're a collector, just ignore, ignore what I'm saying. But if you're buying to kind of invest, that's point number two is, you have to identify scarcity in the market. If there's not enough rookies of the player, or if there's like only one rookie and one product, then guess what? That makes it easy. You could just chase one rookie uh, card that he might have issued. So, um, and then number three, obviously, if you want to be first to market, you got to grade. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be right away, obviously, but if you do it before he kind of evolves and develops into the player that you believed he'd become, 
you'll already have that card in hand, graded slab, ready to go if you're ready to move it. So I have a lot of cards like that where I'm sitting on them graded already and ready for them to kind of uh, evolve into the next player. So like Ander, for example, at Real Sociedad, I've got a ton of his stuff. I've got his Mosaic Gold. I've got a bunch of Merlin stuff, all graded, all ready. Um, does that mean I'll sell all of them? Probably not. I mean, the Mosaic one I probably keep, the Merlin Gold I probably keep because I love those cards, but the other ones I can probably sell and make a nice little profit on them. So start to consider those things. Uh, look at players, again, like I said, step one, uh, find the players that you believe in, that they pass your eye test. Step two, look to see how many products they're in. Uh, and this, again, applies to people that are really investing in cards and what they're doing. Um, and if they're, you know, between the ages of 19 or 18 and 23, obviously if there's a card issued already, if they don't, then you, you know, it presents a little opportunity where you m you might have to take a look at and see, well, where, when do they come out or when will it be out? A prime example is kind of Adam Holzik of uh, Leverkusen, uh, Czech uh, player, who I really believe is going to be a strong player. I believe in so much that I bought so many stickers of his last year, sold them to a lot of my followers on whatnot at kind of my break-even cost. And, you know, he hasn't quite had the season I expected yet at Leverkusen, but over the last month or so, I've started to see more kind of progression into what I think it can become. And there's been rumors for a player like him that there are Premier League teams calling for him already. So some of those teams are seeing something in him that they initially liked last summer before he made that transfer to Leverkusen. Um, now, now he's in flagship. Um, I don't think, or at first edition, I should, I'm pretty positive they didn't put a rookie card badge on that card, though, which is really strange to me. He is in Donruss products with the RC logo as well uh, and the rated rookie logo. So um, that's just an example of a player who, didn't have any cards. Now he's got cards and he's in three products. Uh, so Don, uh, Donruss, he's got flagship, first edition as well. I just don't know if the RC logos are on those tops. So I can't remember uh, seeing them. But um, start to think about those things. Those things are important um, when you're looking for players um, to kind of uh, buy and invest in. Now, I wanted to kind of do a breakdown of the rookies out of some of these sets. I haven't quite finished that. Like I said last week, I wanted to give it a little more time uh, to give you kind of really focused project on that, on specific rookies I'm looking at it. But I'm going to give you kind of a really, um, I'm going to give you one player to watch uh, in the, it's, he's in the uh, Topps First Edition and he's in Flagship, uh, Mureda from Benfica, as you guys know. He is off to Chelsea. Chelsea has, uh, I guess, made the purchase. He will be leaving for free from Benfica. Um, to say that I'm disappointed uh, is very, uh, I guess, I'm, I'm a little angry, actually, at the player. Uh, I think it's too early for him. Um, this is how I view it. He's got a lot of talent. He's explosive. He's uh, high energy, excellent footballer, uh, technically gifted, Um you know, he's going to be a wonderful footballer, but I think it's too early for him to go to the Premier League. I think if he stays at Benfica, he can develop a little bit more. One to two more seasons at Benfica would do him really well, uh, but he's he's not making that choice. He's obviously going to greener pastures at Chelsea, get his money, whatever the case may be. We've seen players leave too early and really kind of not be able to bounce back, a.k.a. Renato Sanchez. Not saying the same player, but a player like that who left too early for Byron, the pressure got to him at that young age, and it was just too early. So 
Moreira, I'm not saying I'm not buying him or holding him. He is risky to me now, even more risky since he's even Bifik a little bit too early um, for my kind of um, appeasing myself and being the selfish Bifika fan that I am. I think he could have used another, you know, one to two years at the club uh, to continue to develop. So we'll see what happens with him. I wish him the best there. I just don't know if that's going to uh, pan out for him. But his cards are a decent, like, nice little card to look for in first edition. So take a look at those. Uh, that's what I would buy. I wouldn't buy the flagship one. I would go first edition if I was anybody else here. All right, rules for the giveaway. Here's what you have to do. You have to like the post that I make when you listen to this podcast. Check my profile to see if the post is up yet for the Pepe giveaway. You have to like it, number one. Number two, in the comments field, you have to use the hashtag, three separate hashtags, for each team Pepe has played for in Europe. All right, so three separate hashtags, three teams that I'm looking for in your comment okay so that's pretty easy number one like the post two comment on the post with three hashtags for the team that the teams that pepe has played for part two you have to share the post to your story and then here comes the tricky part see if anybody does this add the link to this podcast into that story hopefully you know how to do that all you got to do is find the podcast online, share with friend, copy that link, go in on Instagram and post the link to the podcast. All right. On your stories. Sounds complicated, but it shouldn't take you more than like two minutes to do this. All right. Hope to see a lot of entries and then we'll draw them next week or something or I'll announce them on here. Uh, we'll do a randomizer live on Instagram and then announce them on here. But again, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. Uh, these podcasts are a little work and they're a little time consuming, but we're getting there. Um, I appreciate all the support. Again, thanks for listening to the best soccer podcast in the world. We're not number one, but we're the best. Um, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Special One Cards. Also, if you're interested in that break that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, make sure you uh, send me a DM or comment on the post on instagram right we're hoping to break that next week but we will take our time to fill it until episode 28 next week promise to be back with some more engaging content hoping to record that maybe before the champions league games so maybe you'll get this tuesday or maybe you'll get it um after the games so we'll see but uh, again thank you guys have a great weekend enjoy and be safe Thank you for listening to another episode of Special One Cards. Join us again next week. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Special One Cards. DM me any questions, concerns, hobby rants, or experiences you've had at shows online. Something for us to kind of talk about a little bit more. Again, thank you for the support. I really do appreciate it.